0: Back on the 23rd of March, we held the first ever Talking Health Tech Virtual Summit. You might have heard us talk about it a bit on the show recently. So at the summit, there were loads of speakers and THT Plus members and ticket holders for the event have got access to all the recordings that are now in a special podcast mini series just for the Autumn Summit. So they can listen to the sessions as individual podcast episodes using their favorite podcast player, which is pretty cool. So we've played one episode from the Autumn Summit already on this podcast, on the main Talking Health Tech podcast, as a bit of a bonus episode for everybody. But since then, there's been one session in particular that a lot of people have asked about and it's got a lot of attention and one that's on a remarkably topical and important subject this year and last. And it's all about telehealth and how we sustain the change. So, since we're now getting all excited about planning the next one, the Winter Summit, which is being held on the 24th of June, we thought, hey, why not release another episode from the Autumn Summit so everyone can enjoy it? There's some great insights from industry veterans who've been all creating telehealth solutions long before telehealth was cool. So if you like this episode and you wanted to check out the other 11 sessions from the autumn summit, then become a THT plus member at talkinghealthtech.com and you can access all the recordings and you get free tickets to all the future summits as well. So that's totally the best value. Otherwise, if you do just want the autumn summit podcast and you don't want the membership and all that other stuff then you can buy access for a small one-time fee at talkinghealthtech.com summit, and you can set it up on your phone, and listen to it whenever you like. Seriously, it's super simple to set up. And hey, the support helps us plan new summits as well, so we can continue to deliver some awesome content and speakers just like the ones you're about to hear. So, after the intro music, you'll hear the full episode in its entirety taken from the Talking Health Tech Autumn Summit podcast mini-series all about telehealth and sustaining the change. I hope you enjoy it.
1: Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology.
0: Telehealth seems like a permanent fixture to how healthcare is delivered now. But how do we sustain the change? What's the next phase of evolution regarding telehealth? In this next panel discussion at the Talking Health Tech Autumn Summit, Bern Gibbons, the head of Business Innovation and Partnerships at Informatics, moderated a panel which included Dr. Sylvia Pfeiffer, CEO of Coviu, Vidyan Alamard, the CEO of NetHealth, and Kirsty Garrett, the CEO of Doctors on Demand. Three leaders operating in the telehealth space in different ways, with some great perspectives on how we move forward. We touched on sustaining the change, the role of remote patient monitoring and how important that will be in the adoption and expansion of telehealth across the healthcare system and what the next phases of evolution are regarding telehealth. So here it comes, session seven of the Talking Health Tech Autumn Summit.
1: You're listening to sessions from the Talking Health Tech Autumn Summit, which was held on the 23rd of March, twenty one. The Talking Health Tech Autumn Summit was a fully virtual event featuring over 35 speakers across 12 sessions witnessed live by over 100 attendees on the day. Each of the sessions has been made available to you as episodes of a podcast mini-series exclusive for THT Plus members and summit ticket holders. Enjoy the sessions and let's make it happen.
0: This next session we're talking about telehealth and it will be... One that will be chaired by Byrne Gibbons. And so it's about sustaining the change in telehealth. And so I'm going to bring on Byrne and we'll introduce her. Hey Bern, how are you doing? Hey, good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. For those that don't know Bern Gibbons, Bern's a respected leader in the healthcare industry. She's got a background in nursing, in, in pharmaceutical industry, and digital technology spanning over 40 years. She's the head of business innovation and partnership in informatics. She's on a number of boards, held some senior roles at PwC, Telstra Health, NETO, A-R-D-H, Nito. And we're just here to talk about telehealth today, and, and I'll let you introduce the rest of the panelists who will be joining today, Byrne.
2: Great. Thanks very much, Peter. What a great day it's been. I've really been enjoying it. I've had to jump out to be in a couple of different meetings, but it's been really cool. So um, thanks very much. And you've also lined up a great panel here that we have to talk about telehealth and where we're going to be, how we're going to keep it moving. Sylvia Pfeiffer from Co-view. Uh We've got Kirsty Garrett and Vidya I thought that maybe I might just let you just introduce yourselves in a moment, uh, just so that you can always do a much better job of doing that than I can, and you know talk about your interests in telehealth, because what I've actually discovered—I've been involved in and around telehealth, I guess, for about the last 15 years. When I first went to Telstra, I thought. What an obvious thing for uh, Telstra to do was to get into telehealth. So when I was being asked, what can we do in healthcare around the telco? And so that's been my interest. Sylvia, I might just throw over to you.
3: Sure. Thanks for having me here. I'm from Curview. Curview is a video telehealth software platform. So we offer our software to healthcare businesses and healthcare providers to deliver a secure and privacy-preserving healthcare via video to your patients. And that, that had a big impact, obviously, during the pandemic when we saw a whole industry change to pick up telehealth in a very short amount of time. Maybe me personally, just a quick background. I'm not a healthcare professional. My background is in computer science, but I've worked with healthcare professionals over the last nine years now. I've picked up a lot. I've heard a lot of stories and and learned a lot about the industry. Thanks
2: very much. And Kirsty over at Doctors On Demand.
1: Yes, thank you. I'm the CEO of Doctors on Demand and uh, we've been providing virtual care services across primary care and psychology since 2015 and have certainly observed the journey of telehealth and the evolution of telehealth and how it's been embraced by practitioners and certainly by patients in particular over the last 12 months. I started in the industry, in the technology industry some 30 odd years ago and have been working in technology in the health sector since the early 2000s. So it's it's actually kind of nice to now see that we are starting to have some real change and that we are starting to make a real impact in terms of enabling digital healthcare.
2: Thanks. Thanks, Kirsty. And Vidya at NetHealth.
4: Hello. Yeah, thanks, uh, Bernie. And uh, hello, everyone who's joined this virtual health tech conference. I'm the founder and CEO of NetHealth. And uh, we are into remote patient monitoring, providing an access to manage chronic conditions for patients with diabetes, heart problem, obesity. And primarily we are into the patient monitoring, wherein the patients have access to the uh, doctors or health professionals through sending in their remote data and getting the time at the correct time and space, I guess. So personally, I've worked in technology industry, working for Philips and G Medical Systems for about 16 years in the project management and bringing a new product into market. So that's about me.
2: A lot of experience there. I think we've all together, we've probably got about 130 years experience when we put it all together. So um, so I might just say it's just been triggered by the pandemic now that telehealth services have actually been legitimised to operate on a much larger scale than before. And the funding in Australia followed as well as a result last year. And so we want to look forward to that period beyond the pandemic, because it's likely that there'll be further changes to the regulatory regime for telehealth. So how will those changes affect telehealth services still remains to be seen. But the ongoing interaction between telehealth services and context mechanisms is going to be very complex. The adoption of telehealth Access to enable physically separated or non-in-person, whatever we want to call it, consultations, preferably not using the telephone but using video, will mark a new context in uh, in telehealth. Or it could be that you know once that the pandemic passes, the previous policies and practices will all go back, and curb the support for you know the continuation of telehealth. So where do you see how can we help i guess sylvia i might just ask you you've been very involved over with the um msia i believe and also as coview in informing the government of what the results have been
3: Yes, we've heard from from the federal health minister uh, that he's very supportive of telehealth and he's publicly announced that in his mind, telehealth Medicare items will become permanent. And we've only just two weeks ago, I think, uh, seen the extension of the Medicare telehealth items till the end of June. Now, it is to be expected that there will be changes probably in the next budget, but we will only know when it's announced. Obviously, government is very much behind it. Um, there's been a lot of calculations and, and information being shared with government around what the impact would be. And that's just from an expense point of view this far. I think uh, they've seen that there's a lot of impact from a healthcare point of view about supporting patients um, and that that's been very helpful particularly particularly on the mental health side of things, but also GPs have picked it up. So the industry associations have been very much lobbying this and I think we'll see a big change. In my mind, uh, the adoption of telehealth items is a first step. Telehealth Medicare items is a first step towards adopting digital health care in government and towards making a bigger change. Video telehealth is obviously more modern technology than the phone and we'll actually get people to to adopting digital technology I believe you know remote monitoring will be the next step after that
2: yeah yeah Kirsty to you I know that we've spoken about this before that you know it's the restrictions I guess that are really put around telehealth you know how can we loosen those I guess so that you know allow more people just to be able to access telehealth
1: We certainly saw a real positive step from the government when they provided that initial stage of telehealth support on around the 6th of April and then restricted it as at the 20th of July last year, where it was just to the GPs who had seen a patient face to face in their own clinic in the last 12 months. So that excluded a significant Proportion of the population, and in particular those marginalised groups, or those healthcare areas where discretion and privacy is is really critical. So, you know, sexual health, drug and alcohol dependence, the LGBTQI communities, all of those groups were very happy during that initial phase. But these people don't tend to go and see people on a regular basis. They haven't been able to go and see someone in the last 12 months, so they're all excluded. If you look at it through the lens now of how it was lobbied by by some of the medical groups um it's, telehealth is is available real video good telehealth is available yeah. but only to those who can afford it so interestingly though you know the government only needs to look at the mbs task force recommendations that were provided at the end of last year and the number one goal that they placed in that review recommendations was affordable and universal access to telehealth And they also supported video over phone as a much higher clinical efficacy for healthcare provision. So I think there needs to be a recognition that there is a much broader diverse community that should be afforded access to to telehealth and video telehealth at that. And there are many different mechanisms to make it affordable from the government's point of view to be able to continue to provide those services to those individual groups.
2: Well, and that's, uh, it's a really good point too there, you know, is around, we keep saying, I, I know that when we think about telehealth last year at the beginning of the pandemic around 6th of April, <laughs> I'm going to hang on that date now, really? um, <laughs> when that all happened and we were like, yeah, we've got uh, now this access to telehealth. And then we did see, as we called it, you know, not myself, but many did, the cowboys started to arrive in from overseas. And so that was yeah, we had to shut that down. But it was like, we sent out the cavalry and it was like, okay, well, let's lock all of the doors. (laughs) Not, you know, don't let anyone in basically. But it's important, not just for the GPs, not just for primary care. It's about NDIS, about in-home care. So Mm. video thinking about remote patient monitoring, I really love the RPM, anyway, abbreviation. (laughs) I kind of feel like it's going to hurry us up or something. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yeah, absolutely. With RPM, uh, initially, there was uh, a little bit of hesitation, I should say, in the primary care with the GP front. But with the pandemic, we saw a surge and we didn't have to create that knowledge or learning curve at all. People got it straight away. They saw the real importance of having RPM. And just to clarify, RPM goes beyond sending the data to the doctor it's beyond that it's after you send the data what is that the doctor has to do with it and what they can help the patient with in terms of medication management or care plan or health check so it is a complete workflow and the aged care sector yes it was absolutely essential because of the pandemic there and with that uh, pandemic and aged care sector RPM. There were lots of players coming in and the uptake was increased, just not in aged care, I should say, but also in the primary care.
2: It's about adoption, isn't it? It's not just adoption from outside, either you know, I've been talking about this a lot to anyone actually who slows down long enough to listen to me. Is that I see lately that we all stand, we're all talking to each other, we're doing it, we're doing it today. How do we turn around and talk out, you know, to the people who aren't in digital health, who are out there? And we get to see them. We go out to clinics and hospitals. How do we share our knowledge to promote that adoption,
3: Sylvia? That's a very good question. Education is one of the big things that we're facing right now. It's educating the clinicians that are working in hospitals or in in their private practice about the advantages of telehealth. It's educating patients. Not every patient has found out that telehealth is available and the, the advantages that it offers. Education is actually one of the big things that we have to do right now. And every one of us is helping in one way, shape or form. We are working through relationships with industry associations to help the clinicians pick it up. There are many different ways that different conferences like this, where we're educating people. It's a very important role right now because we're still at the beginning of the curve. It's not like every clinician has picked it up yet. For the GPs, we know that uh, 97% of all telehealth consultations were phone consultations, only about 3% were video consultations. So that obviously means GPs found it relatively easy to pick up the phone and hold a consultation over the phone, but the transition to video is still a difficult one. So we need to continue to educate people on the advantages of it and to encourage patients also to talk with their clinicians about it. Because if mm-hmm. the patients don't ask for it, the clinicians won't offer it.
2: That's... Yes, that's exactly right. Before COVID, apparently there was 1% of consultations, So 18% of the population were telehealth consultations. And the majority of that, as we know, were probably more around aged care and uh, and the like. Mental health health, probably,
3: to be honest, mental mental health was probably the biggest uptake. Also because we had telehealth uh, items, uh, Medicare items for mental health before we had anything else, really. Maybe the specialist items as well well. But mental health was the big one. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. And now it's 28%. So it's growing, but 94, what is it? 96% of those are telephone calls. And mm. uh, George Martialis has just stood up at the back of the room and, and has just said, reminded us that it was back in 2011, that's right, when I was at Telstra um, Enterprise and Government and we were remote patient monitoring. Yeah, we, we. he was, uh, George, you were at, I'm just trying to remember now, but yeah, we, we were ahead of our time, I guess. Kirsty, what are your thoughts about adoption? How do we stop talking about it to each other and get it out there to the streets?
1: I think it's out there in the streets as far as the consumers and the patients are concerned. And the work that the Department of Health and Minister Hunt did last year really legitimised the access of primary care services in particular and psychology to the masses and you'll find with providers like ourselves who look after uh, consumers as well as employees of large corporates and insurance policyholders, the demand is there and three times up over the last 12 months. And that growth is certainly continuing on a month to month basis. There's 16 million adult Australians out there with a smartphone. All of those people can access doctors. We don't have enough doctors in, in regional and rural communities, and that's widely documented and evidenced, yet we can actually provide those patients access and the awareness is there now. But that, you Sylvie's spot on, we've got to create that demand back on the practitioners to enable themselves and educate themselves and invest in the technology platforms that are a part of their workflow and not an adjunct part of their workflow, which I think is yeah. why we've had some of the adoption challenges with, with the clinicians thus far.
2: Yes, well, for transparency, Informedics has a product called Clinivid, which is multidisciplinary teams tool. And I see, you know, video, you know, what's happening is that what we need to be able to do, and I'm going to go over to aged care and jump on that bandwagon for a minute. But, you know, to keep people in place and care for them in place, we talk about moving you know, remote, remote patient monitoring, now I know why there's an abbreviation of RPM for it, um, <laughs> into the homes of these people. is Are you seeing, is there more adoption for video into people's homes and remote monitoring by the doctor or the nurse?
4: Absolutely, yeah. Let's face it, everybody feels the most comfortable at their home and they want to see the doctor or the health practitioners that they have gone to rather than show up, you know, going around to a new person whom they don't know. So with the video conferencing and the RPM technology, their chosen doctor or their chosen health professional can interact with them at their own home. What more can you ask for? And there is a misconception that the aged population are not technology savvy. I don't agree with that at all. They talk Mm -hmm. to their grandkids or their kids everywhere. Mm -hmm. And on Skype, Every, every technology they know better than, I think I should say mid 40s or mid 50s people, yes. better than them. So there's mm. no problem with adoption with technology. It's just making it simple for them and making sure that it's private or privacy aspect and the uh, security aspect is taken care of. Apart from that, I think there is a huge requirement there. So mm. jumping on the
2: security, what is the yeah what are you hearing like yeah because uh, do we really not trust having that teleconsult video consult with our practitioner or whether it be mental health or whoever it is at the other end of the line do we really is that what you're hearing you
1: hearing that kirsty oh look i think there's definite dubious concerns around using facetime doctors don't want to release their mobile phone numbers to have a one-to-one with a patient so yeah, there's a whole issue around those public forums. That's why organizations like Sylvia's and ours do invest heavily in, in that technology to ensure that it is safe and secure. I just wanted to pick up on one of the, those points that you and Vidya were making around aged care. We've been speaking to an organization based in Townsville and they, in, in the aged care sector, they run residential aged care services. They've got 400 patients in North Queensland alone that do not have a GP available to look after those patients. So they're just from a pure risk management point of view off the back of the Aged Care Royal Commission, they're now scrambling to try and identify GPs and through Queensland Health and through other services like ours to be able to provide GP access into those residential aged care homes for those patients who literally don't have a GP able to look after them right now.
2: That's it, isn't it? I mean, you know, when we're looking at best use cases, you look at, and even if it's not just about aged care, it's those areas where there is not a doctor in town. And yet there is quite often a pharmacist Though, and if we can set up, I—I I don't know where I heard it, but what one of you might be able to remind me. But there was an idea the other week about having telehealth go into the pharmacy, and you can have your appointments there, kind of like the Royal Flying Doctor Service does, you know, and so it's all in one place on that day. And it's about managing the time, I suppose, of everyone. There's a question here from Jack Roach. One of the biggest challenges in public health is investment in tech and partnering with industry. In a lot of conversations, it appears executives are hesitant to spend taxpayer funds on private business. This is vital to sustaining telehealth. Does the panel have any thoughts on how to navigate this?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, If I might jump in here, I see a lot in public health around spending on, uh, you know, if we just focus on telehealth for the moment, uh, discussions about we have Skype, we have Pexip, Mm -hmm. we have Cisco. We don't need another telehealth platform. We already have a video conferencing platform. And funnily enough, that argument is mostly made by the technologists. And I think I can criticize us because my background is in technology as well. And sometimes we're a little bit short-sighted in IT when we try to recommend solutions to the people that are actually working with the technology. We tell them that there is a solution and they should just rely on what is being tested for the boardroom that'll just work for Mm -hmm. patients as well. And that's just... not true. It is not true because the workflows are very different when you're providing clinical care. And I wanted to point, Christy mentioned this before with workflows, I actually wanted to dig into this a little bit more, because um, workflows is where we're currently completely failing in the healthcare business as well. We've got patient pathways that we have defined in public healthcare and even in hospitals, etc. None of these pathways currently include telehealth. Everyone follows their pathway. And we had to scramble when we had the pandemic. We threw out the whole pathway and we did what was necessary. Now we're back to previous pathways. And everyone seems to have forgotten that there is this opportunity to do telehealth because you see a patient and of course the patient has to do their uh, normal appointment booking and come in, etc. There is no change in the way that these pathways work to allow, even allow for the opportunity to have telehealth appointments. And I think that's where we're still failing as an industry to adopt new technology because we're not adopting the new patient pathways, new new ways of telling clinicians how they can deal with the situation also. Because a clinician could just recommend to a patient that in future, you don't need to come in and see me, you can just do the catch up on video the clinician, but then also administration, you know, they have to follow up on that as well. They can't just recommend or remind the patient to come in. They have to actually offer them also to have a video call absolutely yeah. so
2: it's new models for care i suppose and yes yeah that's what we need to get behind and just on closing being wrapped up of course it's been a great discussion i knew that this would not be enough time peter but um but it's not the end yes i'd love to see more discussions like this going on peter maybe you can give us a platform
0: yeah i think every every session that we've had today deserves a good two-hour block so we might be able to double down on some of these sessions more so. so it's great to hear everyone's perspective on that in relation to the adoption of telehealth and keeping those going and i like that we've covered a number of points not just in primary and everything care but also in aged but also that bridge between public and private too so thank you everybody for your participation that's it. A full session from the Talking Health Tech Autumn Summit. Remember, if you do want to check out the other 11 sessions from the summit, you can subscribe to the Autumn Summit podcast mini series at talkinghealthtech.com summit or become a THT plus member. And then you get full access to all the summit recordings and attend all the live summits in the future and a bunch of other benefits of being a member as well. Hey, you also get to watch the videos from the summits within our community forum as well, which you don't get if you just buy the podcast series. So check it out. Become a THT plus member at talkinghealthtech.com THT There's a link in the show notes of this episode and I'll see you in the community. Peace out, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen.